Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to a new week of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. It is Monday morning, August 29th at 7 a.m. I'm Adam Wright. You are listening, and that must mean it's time for Roadmap to Heaven. It's a good Monday morning. It's a beautiful sunrise going on outside the window this morning. Let's pray. Let's begin our day just in thanksgiving to God for what he's going to do today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. In reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. And we pray for just a few more days our novena prayer to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. O blessed, O most blessed Mother, heart of love, heart of mercy, ever listening, caring, and consoling, hear our prayer. As your children, we implore your intercession with Jesus, your Son. Receive with understanding and compassion the petitions we place before you today. We are comforted in knowing your heart is ever open to those who ask for your prayer. We trust to your gentle care and intercession those whom we love and who are sick or lonely or hurting. Help all of us, Holy Mother, to bear our burdens in this life until we may share eternal life and peace with God forever. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I am so very happy to just be up today. And, I, you know, I think the number one thing I'm most excited to say today, and there's a lot of exciting things we could say today, but the number one most exciting thing I have to say today is pray your rosary today. I've been thinking a lot about that over the weekend and just how life has changed in the past two and a half years. Um, it's not been quite two and a half years. It's just shy of that, that we've been together on the airwaves. And when I first started, you know, I was endeavoring to pray the rosary every day. And not that I still don't have days where sometimes I fail in that and um, still always striving to do it, but much, 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 much more success in that endeavor these days. And why is that so important to me to tell you to pray your rosary? And why is it so important for me to pray my rosary? You know, it's no secret that before coming here to the radio station, I worked in parish ministry. And, you know, I'm sad to say that when you go to Mass four or five times on Sunday alone, you become, you, you fall into this danger of losing your sense of mystery, losing your sense of awe. I mean, a miracle was unfolding on the altar every single Mass before me, that ordinary gifts of bread and wine were transformed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's kind of... This is a crude analogy, so please pardon it. But it's kind of like when I was a kid, and I really, really, really wanted that new toy. And then after a few hours, I was bored with it. And my parents said, you know, you really wanted that, and you pestered us for a long time, and now you have no interest in it. What happened? Well, I, you know, I just lost my interest. How terrible that would have been if that would have happened with my faith. And if I'm being completely honest with myself, there was a, a danger of that happening. And yet, knowing that I was going to embark on a mission to spread devotion to the Most Holy Rosary, it was one of those times that in my head I got it. You ever have that where in your heart, your heart's not feeling it, but your head knows what you need to do? Because sometimes you're not going to feel it, right? And my head said, go to the Blessed Mother. She hasn't let you down yet. Take this new endeavor and trust it to her. 
Well, dare I say that almost two and a half years later, my marriage is better. My relationship with my children is better. I'm calmer. I'm making better life choices. I'm getting healthier. There's all sorts of things that are coming into focus and coming into play because of the help I'm getting from the Blessed Mother with the rosary each and every day. It's not what Adam Wright's doing. It's what God is doing in his grace that he pours out at the request of his blessed mother. So most important thing I'm going to say to you today is pray your rosary today. What else are we going to say today? Well, you know, John Martinoni is going to be with us. It is Martinoni Monday, and we're going to be talking. Well, you're going to need your dancing shoes because we're going to talk about the doctrinal dance today. We also have with us Doug Berry, and this week Doug and I are talking about the role of the father, something a little near and dear to my heart because I am both a husband and a father. And as I mentioned, it's a a beautiful sunrise, but I have to tell you, yesterday I was caught off guard. I had been told there was a chance of storms. I completely forgot about the chance of storms until I heard a a clack of thunder and then saw another bright flash and I heard another clap of thunder. So just so there's no surprises today, let's go now to Mike Roberts for a check of today's weather. Today is the Memorial of St. John the Baptist. Born in the hill country of Judea six months before his cousin Jesus, the birth of the man we now call John the Baptist was highly anticipated by Zechariah, Elizabeth, and the community around them, and he did not disappoint. When exactly he went out into the desert to prepare the arrival of Jesus, we don't know, but by the time Jesus begins his ministry, John is widely seen as an important prophet proclaiming the coming of the Messiah, and like Jesus, the truth John proclaims is hard for the those in power to listen to, and especially those who abuse that power to their own end. Herod not only knew John the Baptist, but enjoyed hearing him speak. Clearly, the Holy Spirit was reaching Herod's heart, but Herod was not in the habit of denying himself what he wanted. And when his brother's wife Herodias caught his eye, he simply took her for his own. John, on the other hand, was very much in the habit of calling out those who misused their state in life, and he did so with Herod and Herodias, which angered and insulted Herodias, who insisted he be arrested. Herod obliged, John was put in prison, and the beginning of the end of his life was set in motion. Before Herodias calls for John's head on a platter, before Salome does her dance, before Herod promises her anything she wants, Herod had been moved by the Holy Spirit working in John. Yet, when the time to decide arrives, whose voice is he really listening to? It is Herodias who talks, but the voice going into Herod's ear is not from God, and there can only be one other source. Today, as we remember John the Baptist, let us be mindful that the Holy Spirit, the love between the Father and the Son, the source of life in Mary's womb, which becomes the incarnate Word, is also the source of the one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. It is the Holy Spirit calling to all of us, let us not just hear, but follow. St. John the Baptist, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Well, it's Martinoni Monday here on Roadmap to Heaven, and we are talking with John Martinoni. This week, we're going to do something a little different. Instead of talking about a scriptural error, we're going to get into a little bit of evangelization, because the whole point of this 
is to equip us to go out and evangelize in our local communities. So, John, today you've got for us the doctrinal dance. We, we kind of teased this last week, and I brought my dancing shoes today. Not that they're going to do us any good on the radio here. No one can see them, but I'm ready to go. So tell us about this dance. The doctrinal dance, Adam, the phrase I coined after I had gotten into discussions with a number of various Protestants, uh, you know, Baptists, evangelicals, whatever, and I realized they would ask me questions, make arguments against the Catholic faith or for their particular Protestant doctrines, once saved, always saved, salvation by faith alone, etc. And I would start asking them questions, or I would be able to answer their questions, and when I had an answer for their question, I would just kind of get this blank stare, uh, like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to have an answer to that. So when I would answer their questions about Catholic teaching or, or such, they would switch the topic. For example, they would ask me, why do you Catholics worship Mary? And I'd say, well, actually, we don't worship Mary. And I'll tell them, I'll say, I'll write you a $1,000 check right now if you can find in any official document of the Catholic Church where it says you need to worship Mary as if she is divine. I said, nowhere do Catholics believe that. And in fact, you know, we can show, prove it by saying we never offer sacrifice to Mary, which sacrifices the essence of worship. We offer sacrifice to God and God alone. Then I, as I'd explained that we don't worship Mary, they'd look at me and they'd say, well, why do you believe the Pope can't commit a sin? I said, well, no, that's infallibility. That's not exactly what it means. Let me explain that to you, and I'd start explaining infallibility. And they said, well, why do you confess your sins to a man instead of going straight to God? Where is that in the Bible? And so I'd start to explain. And I started realizing, I said, they're making me chase them down all these rabbit paths, and I'm not really getting anywhere with them because once I make a point— once I have a, a, a cogent, clear, rational answer to their questions or, or response to their arguments, they just switch the subject. They move to a different topic. So I started calling it the doctrinal dance because, you know, they're, they're on one doctrine and they think, well, I'm going to get the Catholic on this one. But the Catholic has an answer. And quite often, you know, with me, I'll have an answer from Scripture for them. They change the subject. Why do they do that? Well, I have been to seminars at Protestant megachurches here in the Birmingham area where they have been training people to evangelize Catholics, specifically Catholics, because we're seen as easy marks. And so they'll tell them, they say, if you ask Catholics these questions, their knees will buckle, their, their spines will fold in half, and you'll have them heading for the door of the Catholic Church because they've got no response to this. They don't know Scripture. They really don't even know their own faith. They don't know anything about Jesus, this, this, this. So when those people go out and they run into a Catholic who is even somewhat knowledgeable in their faith, it messes up their line of questioning. And when you interrupt their line of questioning and you, you show them that, well, no, sorry, this Catholic does have a response, a clear response, a scriptural response, it throws them off their game, and they don't know what to do, they, so they have to switch, and they have to keep switching. And so what I tell people, I say, when you encounter the doctrinal dance, and you've got an answer for something that somebody's asked you, do not let them switch to another topic. If, if they try, you say, hang on, 
you know, we're talking about Mary right now. We'll get to the Pope in a minute. Let me finish telling you what I have to say about Mary and then go from there. Well, I don't know. Well, John, I got to be honest with you. I'm not much of a dancer here, but now that I know I need to be prepared to go from question to question to question so I don't get tripped up, it, it gives me a little incentive to do some homework here and just go over some basic Catholic teachings that we all should know. So I, I look forward to learning more of these with you, and uh, I want to thank you for this dancing lesson today. Oh, you're very welcome, sir. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. This week with Doug Barry, we're going to be talking about the role of husband and father. And so I'll say this as I often do on this show. Men, pay attention. And wives out there listening, if you're saying to yourself, I, I really hope that my husband's listening right now, or I really wish he could have heard this right from the get-go. This is exactly why we have the podcast, so that you will be able to go back to it after the show ends and say, I want you to listen to this and to share it with them. So, Doug, I don't think we can underestimate the role that God has given husbands and fathers in the family. No, there's no way around it. We have been put in a position as father, husband, spiritual head of that home. And I would say everything flows from that point. So to address this first, the spiritual authority in the home. Sure, we've got that natural authority. We've got that position. Dad, he's got the deeper voice. His personality is normally stronger and so forth. This must be a equally yoked working with your wife. And I'll say this first, you know, Adam, that in Genesis, when Eve is given to Adam, there's a Greek word for that, and it's Ezra Konegdo, or the two words Ezra Konegdo. And what Ezra Konegdo means is battle partner at its root. So the idea of the wife being the helper, as God speaks of in Genesis, will make for him a helper. He's talking about a battle partner, someone who will join with him in the battle, and they are equally yoked in that. However, God does give each a particular role. One is more nurturer, one is more protector, provider, defender, and so forth. So that being said, he also gives a particular role with regards to spiritual authority in the home. The husband father has ultimate spiritual authority over everybody in his home and his family. Many men don't know this. So spiritually, I have authority over even my wife's situation. I have spiritual authority over my children and so forth as I'm raising them in my home. These are very important things to remember. Men, I look at it this way. If someone kicks in your door, a bad guy, and he tries to hurt your family, and you pick up a frying pan, and you're hitting him with a frying pan, okay, that's great. You're fighting back. But over here in the closet, you've got pepper spray. You know, you've got, you've got more serious weaponry you could use to, to stop the threat that's trying to kill your family, but you're hitting him with a frying pan. In other words, grab with the authority those weapons that you have available in this spiritual fight and defend your family. Take that spiritual authority on. Go to God on your knees, in prayer, God, I know I'm the spiritual head of this home. Give me the grace and the strength to know what to do with that authority. Learn what that spiritual warfare should look like. 
claim that. The demons know you have spiritual authority. They understand this. And they know if the husband father is not on that battlefield claiming that spiritual authority and engaging in the fight with that spiritual authority, then those demons have a lot more influence in the family and in the home in the situation. So men, we have got to understand as husbands and fathers, God has given us this role. The spiritual authority is there. The demons know it's there. We need to know it. We need to embrace it, engage it, be trained up in it. And there are great books out there, like Father Chad Ripperger's Deliverance Prayers book for, for laity. Even there, you'll find discussion on authority and how we can engage with that authority. There are great podcasts and talks out there from great priests and others out there who understand this. We can learn from that, and we need to. Doug, maybe we wrap up with this today. Uh, it, it's great to talk about authority, and it's real easy to get all... Uh self-righteous and, and arrogant, say, ah, oh, yeah, that's right. Doug just said I'm the authority. Adam just said I'm the authority. Well, let's forget that with the authority comes responsibility. And, you know, I may not be committing many sins. I might have a really good prayer life on my own. But if I'm letting garbage into my house and I'm letting my kids fall into spiritual rot, well, then I've failed in my responsibility, and I'm going to have to answer for that someday. I might think I'm doing great, but I'm not. Yeah, just like we would hopefully hopefully secure our homes from a natural predator, natural bad guy who's looking for an unlocked door in the middle of the night, looking for a home that, that doesn't isn't secured very well so they can break in and rob or create some sort of chaos. There are spiritual predators constantly trying to break into our homes. You can't bail water out of the boat with one hand without reaching over here and plugging the hole with the other. So if we're allowing... As you mentioned, the garbage to come in, but we're over here saying, well, we can't, we've got to be better. We, that, that doesn't solve the problem. If you, a person wants to get healthy and get in shape, there is something called caloric deficit. In other words, you got to start burning off more calories and eating better food than, the cal than excessive calories and unhealthy calories that you're taking in. We've got to put those things in the right position in the proper order. And so, yes, as the spiritual head of that home, guarding and protecting spiritually in prayer, but also naturally not allowing those things into the home. Maybe it's foul movies, it's websites, put filters on your computers for your kids, make sure that you're guarding to the best of your ability, what they're seeing, what they're hearing, video games, friends that come over, know these friends, understand where they're coming from, engage in their lives so you can be that spiritual authority in all these different areas. All right, Doug. Well, I, I got to say this. Tomorrow we're going to cover probably the most challenging aspect of this, and that is what specifically does it look like for a man to be the spiritual head of his household? And we're going to be turned into Ephesians, and those who know, know, and those who don't will find out tomorrow. So, Doug, until then, it's been great talking with you. You too, brother. Prayer to Our Lady of Perpetual Help. O Mother of Perpetual Help, Grant that I may ever invoke thy most powerful name, which is the safeguard of the living and the salvation of the dying. O purest Mary, O sweetest Mary, let thy name henceforth be ever on my lips. Delay not, O blessed lady, to help me whenever I call on thee, for in all my needs, in all my temptations, I shall never cease to call on thee, ever repeating thy sacred name, Mary, Mary. We have a catechist question for you today, and it is this. It's a true or false question for you today. True or false, when we pray, and we are praying not the rote prayers 
or novenas or, or liturgical prayers, but we're just praying, offering our hearts and our intentions to the Father. There is an ordered way of praying, true or false. The answer is true. If we turn to the Catechism, into Part 4, Christian Prayer, Section 1, Prayer in the Christian Life, Chapter 2, The Tradition of Prayer, um, we have some wonderful, wonderful teachings for us. Paragraph 2664 is a very important one. There is no other way of Christian prayer than Christ, whether our prayer is communal or personal, vocal or interior, it has access to the Father only if we pray in the name of Jesus. The sacred humanity of Jesus is therefore the way by which the Holy Spirit teaches us to pray to God our Father. So even when we pray to the Father, according to paragraph 2664, we must pray in the name of Jesus. Now, very simply, one easy way to accomplish this is to pray with the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Maybe you're praying just a, a spontaneous prayer. You've got a, a stressful meeting coming up or phone call or test or whatever it may be. And you say, uh, God, Heavenly Father, I ask for your assistance in and then fill in the blank with whatever you're praying for. Concluding that prayer, I ask this in Jesus' name. You know, it could be that simple. So you can still pray sponta- spontaneously throughout your day. Just pray in Jesus' name. Some other great uh, paragraphs in this section of the Catechism uh, talking about in communion with the Holy Mother of God, which, of course, you know I'm going to love. But um, there are two I want to highlight here. Mary gave her consent and faith at the Annunciation and maintained it without hesitation at the foot of the cross. Ever since, her motherhood has extended to the brothers and sisters of her son who still journey on earth surrounded by dangers and difficulties. Jesus, the only mediator, is the way of our prayer. Mary, his mother, and ours is wholly transparent to him. She shows the way and is herself the sign of the way according to the traditional iconography of East and West. Mary is the perfect orans, the perfect prayer, a figure of the church. When we pray to her, we are adhering with her to the plan of the Father who sends his Son to save all men. We are adhering with her to the plan of the Father. We can't ask the Blessed Mother for her intercession to pray for something against the will of the Father. She won't do it. But if we ask her to pray for us, we are essentially asking her to pray that we would be conformed to the Father's will as well. And sometimes when I don't have a specific intention, that's the most important thing. Blessed Mother, help me to do God's will. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about today's Saint John the Baptist. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A prayer for the Archbishop. Heavenly Father, in these trying times when the spirit of the age threatens Christian values, give our bishop holiness of life and wisdom to direct and guide our archdiocesan family so that we may grow in your love. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.
It's a new week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. And Patty Schneier, you probably already know the question I'm going to ask. What are we doing today? (laughs) Well, we're going to start a new week, a new topic for the Daily Dose of Encouragement. And this week, I just want us all to take some time to spend time in prayer, praising, thanking God, and thinking about His wondrous attributes. You know, many of us, we maybe when we go to our holy hour in adoration, we say, thank you, Lord, or we praise you, or we adore you, we bless you in the Gloria every Sunday, we say that. But have we ever really spent some time with God in prayer? Maybe, again, you can take this to your adoration, to your holy hour, where you're journaling and thanking God for his wondrous attributes for who he is, how you've experienced him in your own life. So today let's start, and these are going to be very simple words. So what does God do? What does he do? Well, one week, I spent a whole week journaling about this, praying about this, and so that's why I want to share it with you. Here's the word. God rescues. He is a God who rescues. He saves us from final hell, from final damnation. And even if we die, he is still rescuing us. Some people say, well, he didn't rescue my brother who died of cancer. He didn't rescue my father who died of this. No, actually, when we do die, he is rescuing us from the sufferings of this world in order to totally heal us right in heaven. So how has God rescued you in your life? Take that to prayer. Journal about it. In my own life, I think about two very, very important events where I can honestly say God rescued me near death, and he rescued me from that. But countless other little rescues have happened in my life. And I remember thinking that the reason why I want to talk about rescuing, I think of Peter and Paul, both of whom wrote about how God rescued them from prison. You know, Peter was rescued when he was in prison, the chains fell, and then Paul from the lion's mouth. And yet, in the end, both were martyred at the hands of evil men. So it's easy to think that, well, God didn't rescue them at the end, but he did. The final rescue for all of us is from the pains of hell. And death is not the failing of God or the absence of his rescue. No, it's his final rescue, the greatest rescue. We need to have faith to believe that, that whoever it is in our life that that did die was healed actually for good. So maybe in your prayer today, thank God for being the God of rescue. That's good news. And in your prayer, ask The big questions for God to rescue someone that maybe needs it, rescue them from mortal sin, and think of all the near misses in your life from which God has rescued you. Spend some time in prayer pondering this wondrous, wondrous attribute. God is a God of rescue. Patty, I love this theme for the week, but particularly today's topic of asking God to rescue us. It's something that I didn't think to do until well, later in life than I'd care to admit to ask him to rescue me. So I want to thank you for bringing it to our attention today. As we wrap up today, I do have some reminders for you. We are going to end the month of August on Wednesday with August 31st, and then we begin the month of September on 
Thursday. And that means that Friday is our first Friday of the month of September and Saturday is our first Saturday of the month of September. Now, you might be traveling for the Labor Day weekend holiday coming up. You might be going to the lake. You might be going on an RV trip. You might be going somewhere. I don't know where. If you are, I hope you have a great trip. But perhaps something you can do to make that trip even more memorable is find out now where you can go on Saturday to Mass to receive Holy Communion in a state of grace and hopefully make a good confession, whether it's a a necessary confession to get back into that state of grace or just a devotional confession, but to make a good confession and pray the rosary together, as whether it's you by yourself with the other folks in church, if you're a single person or widow or widower, uh, pray with your spouse. If you have kids, pray with your kids. If you're with extended family, maybe invite your entire extended family. I don't know if you're going to the beach house and there's going to be three or four families together. Pray the rosary together as three or four families and then meditate for 15 minutes upon those mysteries of the rosary. That's what we're called to do on the first Saturday. And if we're traveling, we might need to figure out the itinerary for that now. Um, you know, just a thought. I'm starting to think about that because some friends and I were talking about doing a beach house vacation next summer, and we're all Catholic, and how cool that would be to pray the rosary together with all of our families. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Our Lady Queen of Heaven, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. And St. John the Baptist, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks to Doug Berry, Father Kirby, and Patty Schneier, and John Martinoni for being with us today. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Until then, thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven on Covenant Network. Pray your rosary today.